From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast bonus episode. Another one. I know. It's crazy. We're so generous this month. Lots of lots of bonuses. Lots of uh, bonuses. Um, what's going on? You know, I am in this uh weird mood lately where huh. I've been really like I've been really in the mood for like I'm not gonna name names because you know, whatever, but like for kind of like macro brew light lagers it's really weird i have just it's like spring and it's kind of been warm in seattle and like yeah. you know like doing yard work and i was like man i would like uh you know insert whichever one you think in here which is not typical for me that is not usually how i feel but uh but it's been uh it's been it's been kind of uh hitting the hitting the spot and you know like low i mean they're like kind of the original uh like low abv you know bar product or like beverage alcohol right like you know four percent alcohol something like that kind of light and refreshing and uh yeah you know i guess they have a place that's awesome dude uh you know I, I, light lager is good every every now and then you know always yeah just to uh, just to mix it up yeah it's funny i'm actually i'm going to dinner tonight with a with a good friend and his wife and it's their first time going to eat anywhere since the beginning of all this stuff and um you know he just speaking of macro light lagers he's like hey let's bring a six pack for the kitchen oh yeah 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 and i was like i remember oh, those days <laughs> let's bring them let's bring them some modello yeah there was a restaurant that, that at least one in seattle that i went to that had literally on the menu like buy a six-pack for the kitchen which i thought was interesting i thought it was like uh it was a it was a nice gesture and uh i'm sure they appreciated it but it was also like you know it's like a six-pack was like 25 bucks and i was like uh, just bring one Definitely yeah exactly cost me that much <laughs> exactly yeah it is so funny because like i guess yeah then they're just pulling the six-pack out of uh out of the bar, you know, like, here we go. Un- unclear. Cause I don't think it was even necessarily <laughs> something uh, they had it on. Stuck. Yeah. Something like that. I'm not even sure they actually had like a six pack of, of whatever kicking around. Probably they did, but I don't know if you could order one of them for yourself. It was, or it was just for the kitchen. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause there's, there's definitely a few uh, restaurants in New York that did that too, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that on the menu. It's like, yeah. And you're right. It's always like 25, 30 bucks. I'm like, that's a pricey six pack. I'm just going to go yeah. to the bodega. I was going to say the bodega <laughs> six pack is $7. So maybe that's a better, I'll buy, I, I could buy them three six packs for that. Well, I don't know what bodega you're shopping at. That's $7, but still it's still a lot. Okay. Cheaper than... Well, okay. Granted that was maybe back in 2006. When right, I was that was in your stuff. NYU days. Anyways, prices haven't gone up since then. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Super excited today. We're going to talk about Pinot Grigio. Yeah. And I have to say, before we bring our guest in real quick, Pinot Grigio is like one of these wines that, and I don't know if there are any others like this for you, that my opinion on it has definitely gone a lot of different directions over the over my lifetime as a wine drinker. Like, I, I'll freely admit, I was one of those like, you know, snobby sommelier types who was like, ugh, Pinot Grigio, really? And I blame this on you know, me, me, I blame this on culture. I also blame it on like, not necessarily trying a lot of good, interesting Pinot Grigio and sort of just kind of writing the category off after trying a couple and being like, eh, they're not that interesting to me. But I actually have found more and more over the last few years, not only are there more and more like delicious examples of Pinot Grigio, but I just think I like it more. And I don't know, like, is that track for you at all? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I had like, you know, I've had different phases with it where I drank Pinot Grigio, you know, at certain times throughout my my wine journey. And I have found myself 
myself coming back to it now. And what's really interesting is actually, you know, we talk a lot about data on Vine Pairs podcast, obviously. Um, and the data shows that there's like a, a resurgence of interest and demand for it over the last mm-hmm. year or two. Um, lots of people who are drinking it um, and coming back to it. So that's why I, I'm super pumped to talk about it today. Yeah, me too. And I guess we should probably bring in our guest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, knows, exactly. he knows more than either of us about it. And that's uh, Maurizio Morizzi, who's the winemaker uh, for Grupo Mezzacarona in Trentino. Maurizio, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I have to start with Maurizio. When, when was, do you remember when you first had Pinot Grigio? Yes. Yes. I, I had the first time maybe when I was 18 or 19. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Pinot Did Grigio, you like it? Yeah, yeah, of yes. course. Pinot Grigio in Italy is a, is a must. Okay, when you start to drink to drink wine, to approach wine, uh, it's one of the first one you you start to drink because because it is easy to approach, and uh, it's one of the most famous also. So, of course, you have to to taste for first or one of the first. Well, so I mean, you say that Maurizio that it's easy to approach. What what is it about Pinot Grigio that makes it so, you know, widely beloved and so easy to approach? First of all, because you find it uh, almost everywhere, okay, in Italy. Uh, of <laughs> course, <laughs> of course, in Northeast is more famous, is more uh, popular. But everywhere you can find uh, the local Pinot Grigio in Abruzzo, in Sicily, in Puglia, uh, touch over everywhere. And then about the wine, uh, of course, if you start to drink a wine as a new consumer, uh, you don't want something very um, strange or particular. You want to approach with uh, um, an easy way uh, wine, but I don't mean simple. I mean uh, uh, something that you can enjoy easily. And Pinot Grigio is something like that. And I think this is a great point that I want to get your thoughts on, which is I think some people view Pinot Grigio not just as approachable, but as as simple or lacking in complexity. And yet, I think when we look at, at your wine and wines from Trentino uh, and, and and in that sort of in the northeastern part of Italy, I think the, the well-made examples are are decidedly not simple wines. They're they're complex wines. What is it that that lends the the wines their complexity? Is it the grape? Is it the winemaking? Is it the the place that they're from? Like like where does that where does that come from? First of all, I'm sure that is the the, the place where uh, the grapes come from. In Trentino, you have to imagine this uh, small region, very north of Italy, close to Austria, that 80% of the region is mountains. Dolomites, uh, beautiful Alps and everything, but just 20% are small valleys with a small flat where the river uh, flows in and around small hills where the small, (laughs) again small, vineyards are cultivated. So it's like a kind of small paradise where uh, we cultivate this this grape. And uh, it's a very strong uh, um, difference of temperature between the day and the night. So the grape accumulates a lot of aromas. The production are not so high per hectare. So we have a small production per hectare and uh, each farmer cultivate maybe one hectare or two hectare maximum. So really they care about the, their own vineyards like a garden. So at the end, what, what we have is a very particular Pinot Grigio. It's not like a big production, big, big production per hectare Pinot Grigio, but very particular, like a boutique Pinot Grigio from that vineyard. And then, of course, in the, in the winery, we don't need to make many things, just to try to preserve what the, the mountains give us. Interesting. So basically, so all, everything that goes into the Pinot Grigio that you produce is, is coming from how, how many different 
growers. Actually, in Mezzo Corona, we are uh, 1,500 growers. Wow. And we cultivate 2,500 hectares. So the average is less than two hectares uh, per each grower. So really, and they live with this. They, they earn money only from vineyards. So you can imagine how much care uh, they care about the, the vineyard they grow. And really, when I, I'm not from Trentino, I was born in Marche. First time I came, uh, first time I came in Trentino, uh, looking at the grape and the, the, the care that, that, that they used to to cultivate the grape uh, looks to me like if they they were crazy, you know. <laughs> why, why you you take so much passion to the grave, you know? But then I understood that that uh, their philosophy, you know. Uh, so really, the, the the secret is about the farmers and the way they cultivate the grave. And so, is in, in terms of you know all the growers. So this means that Mesa Corona is a co-op, correct? Yeah, it's a first level co-op. So can you explain for for? listeners who are unfamiliar i think we hear that we hear this bandied around a bunch you know people like, oh this is a co-op made wine this is a co-op wine especially when it comes to you know europe and really italy has a lot of co-ops but i think americans have no idea what that means um so can you explain that yeah co-op is an association association between growers trentino uh 120 years ago this region was one of the poorest region in italy because italy was a uh, living by agriculture, and Trentino has, has no place for agriculture. Okay. And each person owns maybe one hectare, two hectare, for uh, survive, okay, to produce the food for, for, for survive. That's it. But then each grower were producing their own, their own wine, their own grape, their own maybe fruit, vegetable. And the only way to, 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 to go in the market to try to export their, their production was to uh, um, you know, uh, unify each other, to uh, hug each other, to create something bigger. So mm-hmm. co-op is only, I think, that uh, uh, where the growers put money, build a winery, and they bring grape inside to, 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 to make wine. And so then it's one company. It's one company where there is no owners. The owners are the farmers. So you're basically employed by 1,500 farmers. Yeah, yeah, I have, <laughs> I have many bosses too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so wow, that sounds, that sounds kind of rough. Uh, yeah, very. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta ask, you know, because um, I think one of the things that is super interesting about Pinot Grigio as a style, as a variety of style in Italy, is you're seeing in the United States more and more uh, styles of Pinot Grigio that maybe previously were only consumed locally. And, and here I think about in particular uh, extended skin contact on Pinot Grigio and uh, potentially even um, some longer aging process, maybe in, in either with or without skin contact. What, what are you experimenting with and, and what can um, people who are interested in the wines find in the market right now? Yeah, Pinot Grigio uh, grape is, is not a white grape. It's a, it's a middle way between a, a red grape and a white grape. It looks to be like a blue. So if you verify yes. normally as a typical white wine, usually you, you cannot obtain white wine. You have something like a Ramato, a touch of orange. Okay? Then Pinot Grigio, uh, in the last 50, 60 years, uh, the image of Pinot Grigio was only about white grape because if you eliminate immediately the skin going into the presses, 
the, your juice you obtain is white juice and then you have a white wine. But the real uh, phase of Pinot Grigio is, a, is an orange wine, orange or ramado, something more uh, rosé, okay? So mm -hmm. what we are trying to, 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 to experiment every year is also to do a step back in the, in the history and trying to do some uh, maceration or using some amphora. But of course, the main production is the classic Pinot Grigio that we like, uh, we like most, you know? But you can imagine, we have so much Pinot Grigio, so we can do every year many, many experiments from the contact of the skin, uh, from uh, oxidation of the juice, from opposite reduction of the juice, so not contact with the, the oxygen, um, cultivating Pinot Grigio in high altitude, cultivating Pinot Grigio in a, in a flat. So many, many experiments that at the end give us many tools to play with and create the final blend perfect to go in the bottle. So in terms of this Pinot Grigio specifically, so Mesocorona specifically, how do you recommend serving it is there a specific temperature that that people should be thinking about when they serve pinot grigio and are there and if you are in trentino right now what would we be what would you be serving along with pinot grigio is it a wine that's drunk on its own and if it is served with food what food would you normally see it served with pinot grigio by uh, its own is perfect because it's very uh, aperitive wine mm -hmm. okay we, we, we usually in italy we don't uh, we don't freeze too much. We drink around 10, 12 Celsius, especially okay. the, the Pinot Grigio from Trentino, because in Trentino we have a, a bitter higher acidity, a bit higher acidity in the wine that is makes the wine fresher. So if you chill too much, maybe the wine at the beginning is a, is a, a touch too sharp, you know? Okay. That is yeah, good. That, makes sense. that is good for refreshing wine in summer. It's perfect. But also two, three Celsius more, it's perfect for the wine. And then, of course, the characteristic of the wine is are perfect to, to pair with food. So if you have a, if you have some uh, white meat or grilled fish, or starting uh, with the light appetizers, the wine is perfect to pair with because Pinot Grigio is very delicate aroma. Never um, cover the taste of the food, but always uh, you know push up the taste of the food. So it's, I think it's very good also with uh, some delicate uh, dishes. And so. Uh, Maurizio, I know you obviously work at uh, are the winemaker for Mezza Corona, but you also make some wine in in Sicily too. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that there's uh, Pinot Grigio in Sicily as well. And and how would you compare the you know wines from these two very different parts of Italy? Mm, the result uh, is totally different <laughs> because yeah. the, the the temperature, the sun uh, is so different from Trentino to Sicily. In Trentino, we need to expose the bunches to the sun, uh, make better the ventilation between the vineyards. In Sicily, we need to cover, to protect the, 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 the bunches from the sun. In Trentino, we have to harvest during the day, all the day long, by hand. In Sicily, we need to harvest during the night, because otherwise the grapes are too warm. And when the grapes arrive in the winery, already the juice is, is red. Okay, so there is a structure of color. So really, different managing in the vineyards and also in the winery, uh, the approach is totally different. Because in Trentino, uh, we start from a cold uh, grape and we need just to protect the aroma that comes from the mountain. In Sicily, uh, the grapes accumulate so much sugar and so much body 
and in the winery we we can be a bit more um, uh, you know uh, faster in fermentation and then trying to protect the wine as soon as possible at the end of fermentation so the wine at the end we have in Trentino is fresh crispy green apple aroma very refreshing in Sicily it's larger bigger softer sweeter also but not sweet about sugar sweet about the glycerin that accumulate inside so really ah. are two phases totally different of a, of a Pinot Grigio also if also because we use different clones in the vineyards you mm. know in Sicily we have more French clones that are more uh, a bit more aromatic in, in Trentino we don't need these clones so aromatic we use more Trentino clones selected in Trentino so really we have two different wines uh, in the same uh, nation in, in Italy anyway so in terms of you know Mezzocorona specifically you know I, I remember I was looking at the bottle and you have a you know a sustainability seal on the bottle so I'm curious as a winemaker you know first of all what does sustainability mean? We, we've obviously we've talked about sustainability a lot on this podcast, but I'm curious from your perspective, and why do you think sustainability is so important when it comes to winemaking? It's uh, something that uh, it's uh, the most important thing, I think, because uh, you have to imagine that these people in Trentino uh, they cultivate grape where they live in small valleys, and they live in contact with the vineyards. So of course they cannot. Uh, spray strange thing, for example, or pollute their environment because they breathe what they spray. They they, they eat what they, they they do in the vineyards. So, mm-hmm. of course, in the, it's it's not a thing of last ten years. It's something that started in the seventies. The respect of the environment in Mezzogorona was really a, a focus for them. So you have to imagine that, for example, uh, we were the first company in Italy to use uh, uh, some. Uh, alternative way to contrast the insect in the vineyards. One of these is the sexual confusion. <laughs> that is a, a strange thing. Right. But, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, we don't spray, we don't kill the insect, but we put in the vineyards the hormones of the insect. So the man cannot find the girl. There is no reproduction. There are no eggs into the berries and there is no mildew starting from that. So we don't spray, but we just confuse them. We don't kill yes. them. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sad thing for them, but I'm, it's better. Yeah, it's a sad thing for them. So but I love it. This is just one part. Then in the winery, for example, 100% of the energy we use come from clean sources. Most of them okay. are hydroelectric from Trentino, but all the roof of Mezzogorona winery is covered by solar panels. The, the, the logistic... Every step we we follow is focused on environmental respect, really. But I I repeat, it's not only of the last ten years, but it's from seven, from forty years we are doing this. Wow! So so this has been important to the to all of the fifteen hundred farmers since for for a very long time. Yeah, to be a cop, it's also good for this because uh, when you take a decision then 1,500 people follow you, okay? It's not like mm. many private that you have to convince. We follow one line and everybody follow that line. So Trentino, it's totally sustainable, not only Mezzo Corona, but also other wineries, big cop in Trentino follow this, uh, this, uh, this focus. And all the region actually is one of the most uh, clean and sustainable uh, region in Italy. I have to ask one thing too about the label because Adam prompted this question in my mind. When you 
when you look at it, um, you know, you see a sort of beautiful depiction of of a sort of stylized version of what you know, Trentino probably looks like. But I noticed that the trellising system used, and this is my nerdy question, uh, looks more like a pergola than than a lot of what people here in the U.S. might associate with with grape growing. What what is the is that just the traditional method, and why does it work so well in this setting? Yeah, it's uh, the traditional method that is uh, uh, it's made by the vertical part and then mm-hmm. a kind of uh, angular roof. Okay. That anyway um, consists in plant per hectare, like 4,000 plant per hectare, so like a classic guillot, but okay. in a larger way and higher way. Why we use this, uh, this system? First of all, because the, the soil are very rich, so the plants okay. need to express, need to vegetate, okay? okay? So we have a bigger place to vegetate. And also because the shoots and the buds are at higher level from the ground, so if there are late freezing that usually mm. accumulate freezing at the, the level of the, the soil, to have higher buds, it prevents the freezing of the buds. So that's ah. why we are a bit higher. And it's also better because the bunches, when they are um, uh, ripe, they don't remain in the middle of leaves, but they are just outside the leaves, going down, okay? Yep. So, so you can see from uh, down, from the roof, you can see the buds, the, uh, the bunches coming down. And it's better okay. for ventilation, for prevented mildew and everything. So it's a traditional... It also probably makes... Yeah. Does it make it easier to pick them too? Really easier, really easier. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 100% of the grapes we, we, we cultivate and we harvest in Trentino are uh, end-picked. Because okay. it's easy and it's like party to, 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 to harvest it. Yeah, I just would appreciate having done a little bit of picking and you have to bend over to deal with, you know, your typical various training methods. But uh, being able to just reach out and grab bunches or cut bunches would be nice, easier on my back, I think. Yeah, really. <laughs> easier on my back. <laughs> hey, man, I got a kid. I, I got I to gotta worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Um, that, this, is, this has been really interesting. Um, I have... Just one last question for you on my side, Zach, you may, you may have another one, but mine is obviously, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about just sort of how things are in Italy now. Um, you know, we're talking to you in early May. Um, obviously we've all had a really sort of difficult time with COVID. Um, how are things at the winery and how are things in Trentino? Mm, actually the general situation is not fantastic because the vaccine rollout has been uh, slower than in other countries. But we are uh, quite optimistic because um, we see that every day going, things are going uh, better and better. Of course, in the last one year, we had some problem in Italy and especially for uh, um, organized the, the work in the winery and especially in the winery because in the vineyards, there is not a big problem because uh, you have one person for two hectares. So <laughs> it's yeah, more than two meters. Outside, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the winery, we had to, um, to organize, to arrange more shift. Uh, to uh, assume a bit more people also because uh, we want to be safe uh, if something happened. But uh, fortunately, we were lucky and nothing um, bad happened. So really, there was not a big problem at, about the organization. The market, of course, was uh, <laughs> uh, not so enthusiastic. You know, So we had, uh, um, in the last year, a big decrease of uh, selling but we saw in the last two months that we are restarting a, like a bomb, really. It's, it's going very well now. 
Oh, good. Amazing. Glad to hear that. Yeah, I think I, I, I this has been super interesting. I, uh, I actually opened a bottle uh, that you guys were kind enough to send as a sample last night. Uh, taste a little bit. I'll be having some more with dinner tonight. So yeah, I, uh, I this has been fun. And Trentino, I don't know about you, Adam. It's I, I've never been to that part of Italy, and uh, gonna have to find a way to get there in the next little while. Maybe pick I've some been, grapes. I've know. been once, and it's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. I wait for you here. Huh? Okay, good. <laughs> we'll come. Well, hey, I, can I stay at your house? Of course, yes. yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a live podcast from inside the in the vineyard. How about exactly? No, no, we'll worry. Worry. a lot of bottles in my in my house. We, we, we <laughs> good. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, Maurizio, thank you so much for joining us uh, today to talk about Pinot Grigio and about Mesa Corona specifically. Uh, this has been a really awesome conversation. So we really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for uh, having invited me, and really, thank you, thank you, really to to. to to, to export a piece of Trentino in the US. Awesome. It's our pleasure. And Zach, see you next week. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.